This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Welcome into the Diamond Vols podcast on GoVols247.com. I am Ben McKee, joined by Wes Rucker as always, and we were planning on doing a Diamond Vols podcast regardless of circumstance after Tennessee swept Dayton, but this is also somewhat of a breaking news edition, although a little later in the day because there's a whole lot going on on campus. Basketball is in the final week of the regular season. Football is stealing commitments out of Lane Kiffin's backyard, and the baseball program is being the baseball program. But good news for Tennessee is that Tony Vitello, his three-game suspension has been lifted, and he'll be back in the dugout on Tuesday afternoon against Charleston Southern. But I think even better news is that Maui Ahuna has been freed, and that is quite the development for Tennessee, a, a much-needed development for what would be a a really really good Tennessee baseball team without him but Wes uh, a Tennessee baseball team that is certainly better with him in the lineup at the top and in the field defensively no question about it Ben no question about it and I'll apologize quickly off the top this should have been out um, about an hour ago uh, in all fairness but um, my uh, my son had other ideas toddler meltdowns are fun they're super fun Y'all who have uh, have been through that know it is a good time. So regardless, that's good news uh, for us is now that we're here doing this, and more importantly for Tennessee, yeah, Ben, it's 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 awesome news. It's a this is a premium player. This was one of the biggest players in the portal at any position. Uh, this is the best defensive shortstop probably at the college level, and a guy who's a plus hitter. I think potentially for the position too. He's a first round prospect for a reason. This is a very very big day for Tennessee, and I would imagine also um, sort of a sigh of relief day for Tennessee. That uh, any any concerns about what seriousness was going on? Uh, there's always a little bit of murky stuff there. You never know until they they can tell us whatever they want behind the scenes, right? But until they come out and really want to make it official and tell the public on the record, uh, you always wonder a little bit. But uh, they've it, it is as we can guess, or or as most of us did guess and, and did hear not a huge deal and so now here they are they're put together and they can move forward yeah and and we'll dive into the situation uh we we did discuss it at length uh last week coming out of the arizona series i i I guess it was more after the alabama a&m series uh middle of the week last week we we discussed the situation and and quite frankly not not a whole lot regarding the situation itself uh what took place uh, that that is practically the same, but obviously, since we have last spoke, uh, Tony Vitello did serve a three-game suspension over the weekend, uh, and as we mentioned off the top, Maui Ahuna has has now been cleared. But before we dive into that situation, Wes, we, we just really, really need to sit here 
and have a moment of silence. We need to have a moment of silence for all of the opposing fan bases, particularly those in the SEC, and not just the fan bases, but some of the opposing coaches in the leagues, in this league, the SEC, have a moment of silence for all of their hopes and dreams because they have they have now been shattered. Quite frankly, those hopes and dreams have died with the announcement that Tony Vitello is back in the dugout, that Maui Ahuna is is now eligible. Those hopes and dreams are are no longer a thing. They they do not exist anymore. They are dead. RIP the the situation that opposing coaches wanted it to be the situation that opponents wanted it to be opposing fan bases wanted it to be. It was never as bad as it may have seemed on social media, not saying that it it wasn't a situation, not, not saying that that Tennessee and Tony Vitello uh, did absolutely nothing wrong, not trying to communicate that, but it was not what the Twitter mafia made it out to be never was. And it won't ever be. So Wes, before you chime in on that, let us take a brief moment of silence for all the hopes and dreams of opposing fan bases and also opponents within the SEC. Yeah, I'll probably plug in the the Sarah McLaughlin music here um, just to let everybody know. So we'll we'll play it and and we'll we'll we'll, we'll just sort of we'll, we'll just sort of go into it now and and then we'll just sort of let it ride for just a second. Yeah, Ben, it's it's a devastating time for for the people um, around college baseball who desperately, desperately wanted this to be the end. Uh, they 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 very much did. They thought that uh, that this would be. They they saw the 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 poor animals on the television crying and and uh, they they saw the de- the devastation and they just thought this will be the end of of, of Tony Vitello and uh, it it is not. Um, but seriously, it, it's. This guy, it, it, people have turned him into Attila the Hun or, or something of that sort. Uh, it, it's, uh, or, or more realistically, you could say they, they're basically just trying to, to make him Will Wade 2.0. And and who knows? Maybe in the end, that's what this all will be. Maybe maybe this is whole. This is all a house of cards, and it's going to collapsing down, and and, and just all this devastation. But I, the evidence does not support that. Uh, what we know, what we know, and I wrote this, uh, I, I think I've said it on the board many times, and I put it in a tweet over the weekend, a couple things. One is that I've never seen a, a situation or, or been in 20 years in this business, a situation where people will hate you just for like covering something and just covering this team makes people hate you, which is amazing because, Ben, you're not old enough for this, but uh, I, I covered Tennessee the year that it was Lane Kiffin, and Bruce Pearl at the same time at the same school. And there was not this, this much vitriol to the situation. And baseball historically is a sport that doesn't get that as much revenue, as many eyeballs, as much traffic, all those things. So it's really astounding what has happened here. Um, but you look at it and that's the first thing. The second thing is this Tennessee baseball under Tony Vitale has been a few things. Uh, and we need to look at both of them. Sometimes they act like jackasses on the field. We've we've seen that that that's that's there, uh, and and sometimes they do things that people don't like, uh, or say things people don't like, and then there's the fact that 
they have potentially here a minor recruiting violation uh, that that has been resolved that we know of. Or so so there's that, uh, and then there's the fact that they basically reshatter program GPA records every year. To my knowledge, have never had a player in in any sort of legal trouble. And they graduate at a high rate. They perform academically at a high rate. They're now getting drafted at a high rate. They're doing a lot of good things, but they've been pigeonholed into being this thing. And I think now it's maybe the oxygen giving them life. Like, I lean into it. Lean into it because you're hated. Nothing's going to change you being hated. So go out there and be you. And yeah, it's, it's buckle in for a ride. This is going to be something. I mean, this isn't going away. This is going to be here, that drama. As long as Tony Vitello is the coach of this baseball program, Ben, that's how it's going to be. And so if Tennessee tries to like reshape their image, kinder, softer, screw that. They're just going to have to be them because that's going to have to be the thing that fuels them, I think. That, yeah, that, that's certainly a, a fair take. Um, the, the, the dislike that others have for this program – it doesn't match who these people actually are. Sure. Who they are on the baseball field is not who they are off the baseball field. And outside of a couple of incidents, like there's, I'm sorry, but there's not a whole lot to, to really even back up just flat out hating this team. I mean, it, it's as simple as the last two seasons or so, Tennessee has kicked butts. And they've ran their mouth while doing it. I mean, my my Memphis Grizzlies, that's what they are doing right now. And people don't like them for it. People can't stand the Grizzlies now all of a sudden. Ja was the, the new flavor of the month. Everybody loved Ja. They, and they, they mostly still do. But like the Grizzlies, they're a small market team. People love them. But they started kicking everybody's butt. And, and, occasionally, ma- and occasionally punching um, in bean bags. And, and running their mouth in the process. And, and people don't like that. Uh, People do not like that, especially when you haven't necessarily won a championship or in college baseball's case. And we'll speak directly to Arkansas. Like Arkansas has made it to the College World Series finals and they've they're a, a foul ball catch away from winning a national championship a couple of years ago. Whereas Tennessee, yeah, they've gotten to Omaha and they've had a great amount of success under Tony Vitello. They haven't even won a game in Omaha. And, and again, I'm speaking from the opposing fans' vantage point. So when when you're when those programs, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, Arkansas, LSU, Florida, that they've won bigger trophies than this program has to this point, and then. Vitello's program comes along and, and and they're kicking butts and and running their mouth while doing it. It's not going to be received well. Uh, I don't think anything Tennessee has done outside of the the middle finger incident against Georgia Tech and 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 like yeah, Tony should not have bumped the umpire. I, I don't really think that's a huge deal at the end of the day. But outside of the incident with Drew Gilbert turning around and running his mouth to the umpire and against Notre Dame and, and the middle finger, like there, there's not a whole lot of evidence that, that just really lends to, to the, to the hate, quite frankly, that others have towards this program. But that's a, that's a, another conversation and, and a conversation that many have had. Well, I just don't often. think it's, ever, I just don't think it's ever going away. I don't think it's ever, I don't think, I mean, perception and reality, they are one in the same in this world. That, that, that nothing there, there is nothing, Tennessee, you can go out there and, and, and 
help old old ladies cross the street going to every game. Every player can be a pre-med major with a 4.0 GPA. Um, they, they can all spend their off seasons in third world countries helping the poor. Um, they can do all of that. Nothing is going to change this perception because that's the way the world is. And they've been pigeonholed as this. So that, that that's why I said what I said, Ben, is because I don't, we can talk about a lot of things on this podcast, but I don't think anything about these guys, no matter what they do, I don't think it's ever going to change the way people feel about them. So do what you got to do to win. Correct. My point is that we we can have that conversation plenty. Sure. Uh, and and the Maui Tony situation, it, it's a complex one that still still has quite a few questions out there that that have not yet been answered. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, I I don't think that those answers will will see the public light. <laughs> I don't. I I think that's something that will kind of always be kept behind the scenes quite quite frankly uh Tony Vitello when he's asked about it uh following Tuesday's game against Charleston Southern I guarantee you he will say that it's an ongoing NCAA investigation and and he can't comment and that will be his his go-to answer to, to when he's asked about it so uh, uh unless there's just something outrageous that that needs to to be reported you're, you're not going to hear much more about this because going back to a a, a point that you made earlier but Tony Vitello did did not commit uh an NCAA rule violation that is along the lines of what Lane Kiffin and Coach O were doing when they when they got to Tennessee uh it, it's not Hugh Freeze at Ole Miss it, it's not anything along those lines from from my understanding of the situation and I believe I said this on the podcast we recorded last week it's it's more of a slap on the wrist type of situation. Could more come later? I'm I'm not going to rule that out. Um, but I'm saying from everything that I know about this situation, all all of the information that I have gathered, it's it's nothing that is going to result more than a slap on the wrist, and that's why on Friday Tony Vitello decided that he would go ahead and self-impose. Uh, a a three-game suspension. It was not termed a three-game suspension publicly on Friday, but that's what it was. Uh, Could he potentially serve a a similar suspension later on down the road, whether it be this year, next year? I'm not ruling that out because technically, although things seem to be resolved, it's still technically an ongoing NCAA investigation. But my point is that to me, the the punishment that has already been served, which is Tony Vitello being suspended three games this past weekend, and Maui Ahuna having to sit out the first seven games of the season, that more than fits the bill for the 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 slap on the wrist type of crime that that they committed. And you you did see reports on on Friday that Tennessee was um, being, I guess you could say, investigated for tampering. Uh, with Maui Ahuna, and as I alluded to on the last podcast we recorded, it, it was nothing money related. Uh, I, I think it's fair to assume that that maybe premature contact was made, and this is the punishment for for making premature contact. Yeah, so, which everybody we we talked about this, Ben. Everybody does this now. That's that's the same as like if you get pulled over speeding in your car, you can't say like, and I wrote this in my column, you can't say like, well, everybody else is speeding. Of course they are, but the radar gun got you. 
So that's what the situation is, right? Like it's not an excuse, but um, there were several big time transfers in college baseball last year who before last season was over, everybody knew that they were going to be in the portal because everybody was talking about it. And there were some schools that were going to be a prominent player in just about all of those guys. Uh, Tennessee got one or two of them and missed like seven or eight of them. And those guys went other places. So put two and two together here. This stuff happens. Uh, Tennessee got caught. Tennessee will take its medicine. You never want the NCAA looking under your hood, no matter who you are. Because if you go look, look, go look under the hood of any any program ever, you're gonna find stuff. Um, but you know, it's just it's one of those deals. The, they they got they got busted. Somebody turned them in. They did what they did, and they got a they got to deal with it. But maybe they have. Yes, and, and again, I I don't anticipate any stronger punishment coming down the road. Could it happen? Yes, but from from again everything that I've gathered. It's a, a very a very harmless violation, and the the NCAA has done its due diligence, and and this, this has been something that's been ongoing for for a couple of months now. And from my understanding, they haven't found anything. So uh, that that was kind of the the point of my joke earlier about opposing fan bases is, is is that you see reports that Tennessee is being investigated for tampering and and in in the modern age of NIL you automatically jump to conclusions and I I get that but that's not what this situation was uh it, it, you you see that and obviously as an opposing fan that does not like this Tennessee baseball program you hope it's something that that can bring Tony Vitello down or, or bring the program down but it's nothing along those lines uh, from from everything that I've gathered up until this point. And normally we we would kind of talk about Tony Vitello's suspension first, and and then address the Maui Ahuna being eligible. But I mean, it, it's it's fairly obvious if you can connect the dots that that the two situations are intertwined. That they, they go hand in hand uh, with one another. Uh, I, I think um, Tony could have continued to to ride this out if he wanted to, but I think he made the smart decision in self-imposing, and that's exactly what it was. Uh, I, I think that there were people in, in Vitello's corner that encouraged him to go ahead and do this to, to maybe help speed up the process of of ending this situation and, and just going ahead and, and moving on instead of fighting it, which is why now you have seen Maui Ahuna be cleared, and, and it's why Tony Vitello appears to be moving in the, in the direction of being perfectly fine. Uh, if if there were further trouble coming around the corner, he wouldn't have been cleared by Tennessee on Monday afternoon and, and be allowed back into the dugout on Tuesday and Wednesday to coach against Charleston Southern. So uh, I, I think it was a smart decision uh, for Tennessee to self-impose. And again, that's what it was. We reported that uh, on Friday. I mentioned that in, in the story that we read and or wrote and, and post on, on the site, it was a self-imposed suspension and it wasn't labeled a three game suspension at the time, but that's uh, essentially what it was. And uh, he, he served his crime or served his punishment for his crime in, in hopes of uh, allowing that to, to free Maui. And, and that's what happened. And now I think Tennessee feels really good about this being in the rear view. They can flush it. And, and just move on with it and get back to playing baseball because now SEC baseball is three weekends away, I believe. Yeah, and the last point I want to make about the whole thing, and you can talk about it however long or however however short you want to talk about it, Ben, but I, I think 
I'm sure you've made this point before on previous Diamond Vol podcasts because this has been your baby for a long time, and I'm just sort of jumping on board now and happy to do it. But I'm sure you've made this point before. I know I've said it before several times. For people who don't know this about Tony Vitello, that dude is loyal to his people in a way that is almost uncommon um, because he 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 takes care of his people and will do right by his players every time. Like if he, if, if you were to tell him you have to sit out a while so a couple of your guys or one of your guys can play, he'd sit out every single time. He, he would do like in there are people who, who are his close friends, like in the game who, who know this about him is that a lot of people don't like him, but the people who do would jump in front of a bus for the guy because he would do the same for them. And I don't, we, he, maybe he jokes about his Italian background being part of that, but uh, he will take care of his people. And the fact that if he, if, if he thought that taking a, a weekend off, taking a three game slap would help one of his players get eligible, he would make that decision 11 times out of 10, probably everything that I've ever heard about the guy screams. That's what he would do. Yes. 1000%. And people that I've talked to around the program, he he could really, quite frankly, care less that that he was suspended for for three games. Obviously, he doesn't want to be, and, and it kills Tony Vitello not being at the stadium because a he's not coaching, but b when you're suspended, you can't be on on the grounds of the facility. So I don't know where he was. Probably running, was, probably running or working out. That that's what he's done in the past, but he he was not on campus. He was not at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Uh, and, and that drives him crazy, not being able to to be out there managing games and, and coaching, being in the dugout. Um, that's why he's still single and, and not married. I mean, he, he is doesn't even married, have a dog or cat. Truly married to the game. But he, he was more upset by the fact that Maui was ineligible than the fact that he was going to have to, to serve a suspension, uh, according to, to some that, that I that I talked to, uh, and he he truly, like you just described, Wes, he, he truly cares more about the players than than he does himself, and, and that's been one of the reasons he he has gotten such great buy-in from the moment he stepped foot on campus, and one of the key ingredients to this culture is that they truly all love it, one another. Uh, and, pro- and, and protect each other. They certainly do. So uh, that that is certainly an aspect in, in this situation as well. Uh, he he thought it would be best, and people in in his camp thought it would be best if he just went ahead with it uh, instead of trying to fight it and, and just serve the punishment in, in hopes of that would kind of be okay with the NCAA. And uh, it, it appears to have done the trick because now Maui Ahuna is eligible, and Maui Ahuna will make his Tennessee debut on Tuesday night, Tuesday afternoon against Charleston Southern. And we will discuss that here in a moment. But first, we need to take a break and pay some bills. So we're going to do that. I will encourage you before we hit this break to go like, rate, and review the pod. That would certainly help us. Uh, and we'll be right back here on the Diamond Balls podcast on GoBalls247.com in just a moment. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back into the Diamond Vols podcast on GoVols247.com. I am Ben McKee, joined by Wes Rucker. Uh, we were scheduled to record a baseball pod regardless, but somewhat of a breaking news edition because Tony Vitello has been reinstated following his weekend suspension against Dayton. And Maui Yahuna has been cleared. Tennessee's projected opening day starting shortstop, one of the best defensive shortstops in all of college baseball. He has been freed. And we will be able to hear his glorious, absolutely glorious walk-up song when he steps to the plate. Ooh, ooh, what is it? Can you can you tease what it is? It it, it is a terrific Hawaiian melody. Is it is it better than uh, Kyle Booker's, which he he has the best walk-up on the team right now? That that Keyglock song is just perfect for for a walk-up. And, and last year Ortega's past couple years was pretty good too, but I think Booker's was the tops. Maui's is the best. Ooh, nice. Maui's is the best. And uh, by the way, Austin Jazlove has the best walk-up song, Humble by Lil Baby. That, that That's the best walk-up song so far uh, <laughs> on, on the team. I'm going with Booker still. It's been a banger two years in a row. I love it. It's perfect. Booker's is, Booker's is really good. Tears, Tears has a really good yeah. walk-up song. Actually, I'll be honest with you. Blake Burks is probably my favorite. Blake Blake Burks is 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 probably my favorite. The Dub Baby song. We got Lil Baby and Dub Baby, uh, and, and Maui Yahuna will make his. Who are not the same person, for what it's worth. No, absolutely not. Not the same person. And Lil Baby's probably thankful he's not Dub Baby because <laughs> yes. Dub Baby yes. <laughs> uh, continues to be in trouble yes. uh, practically every single week. But uh, Maui Yahuna has a a great great walk-up song and it just it just calms your soul puts you puts you at ease and, and he'll debut that walk-up song uh, on on tuesday afternoon before we get going back here on the pod please go like rate and review the pod that that helps us uh and we would certainly appreciate that uh wes before we discuss kind of what we're intrigued about uh with maui ahuna and making his debut on tuesday and wednesday against charleston southern I want to take a look back at the weekend because it, it was a, a an efficient weekend for for Tennessee baseball. Uh, you win twelve to two on Friday night in Game One to open the series with a dub. Uh, then you come back on Saturday and have to deal with some ugly weather. Game gets pushed back from two o'clock to four thirty. You, you win four to one, uh, and, and then Sunday the the final score is escaping my my head. I think it was seven to nothing, six to nothing. Uh, it, it was another efficient outing for the Vols. Uh, and I say efficient, uh, and, and Wes is saying six to nothing. Um, but 
it was efficient because maybe the offense could have been a little better at times. Uh, but we talked about it on the last pod. This is this is a baseball team where early in the season, at least for myself, I'm picking up some some Tennessee basketball vibes with this team, and and that's okay because Tennessee basketball has a good team this year. Um, but it, it feels very similar when, when you watch the baseball offense and and then watch the basketball offense. Now, I'll quickly say that I don't think this baseball offense is is as mediocre or even close to, to yeah, being yeah, I don't either. what the basketball team is. But my point is, and I made this on the last pod, is is that, and I'm using air quotations, weaker, the, the weaker unit on the team is the offense. Like if, if Tennessee is going to go win the SEC, win a national championship, it's going to be on the arms. It's going to be on the bullpen. It's it's going to be on that pitching staff. Just like if the basketball team is to to make a deep run in March, it's it's going to be because of the defense. It's not going to be because of the offense leading the way. And, and I think Tennessee's baseball offense is going to be just fine. I, I really really do. But I'm more so just speaking to how dominant the pitching staff is and and how that is going to lead the way. And we saw that this weekend because Chase Burns, Chase Dolander, Drew Beam, they were all absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and it's it's pretty pretty crazy that that you watch those three trot out there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then behind them each and every day comes in one bullpen arm after the the next that is throwing high velocity and, and is probably a, a future professional ball player. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty wild to me. I mean, there, there's things about the offense. It's that lineup's got to get lengthened. Uh, and I don't know if they're going to have to mess with the order at some point to do that. I have a concern that at some point, if Blake Burke's going to keep hitting lefties the way that he's hitting them, because we know he'll mash righties all day, he absolutely mashed lefties uh, so far this season. And if he's going to do that, then people are just going to stop pitching to him. And so they might have to change some things or get Zane Denton hotter behind him or, or get, get something figured out where they're maybe playing a Huna up in the lineup and then putting Dickey behind Burke or more behind Burke. They might have to think about some of those things later in the year because people are just going to stop pitching to Blake Burke soon enough. He's hitting – people talk about Tommy Tanks all day long. Blake Burke hits home runs at a much, much, much better rate. I'm talking about the difference in like Tommy White's career. Tommy Tanks is like one every nine at-bats. Burke's like one every 6.6 at bats. It won't stay that way, but it's just absurd what he's doing. He is unbelievable. Uh, and a lot of people are going to be talking about him, especially if opponents keep pitching to him. But def- uh, the pitching staff, after Dolander got that one, uh, the Pujols ran into one fastball on on Friday, put a good swing on it, put it out of the yard, gave him two runs. And after that, they scored one run the rest of the weekend and had like five hits or, or seven hits. For the entire weekend, for the entire weekend, they had nine hits. And I think Tennessee tweeted earlier, none against the bullpen. One was against the bullpen. They did give up one. Um, Bimby gave up a ball that could have been – it was close, could have been caught, maybe not, but it was a hit. Um, it would have been a good play. But th- they're throwing mid-90s guys out here like it's nothing. And that, someone who's been around the game a while – that even in, even with sports science the way it has now been, it's just it's ridiculous how many mid nineties arms. I mean, they got Kirby, and then they got a whole bunch of guys who throw like in the mid 
to sometimes upper 90s. And the stuff is just nasty. And there's guys that they aren't able to use right now who could be starters at other places, who are not even getting into the bullpen right now. That That's what Frank Anderson's arm farm is doing right now. It's um, it's it's ridiculous. And to do it in that ballpark is, is, is even more unbelievable. Uh, because doing it in that ballpark is is it, sh- it shouldn't be possible. No, <laughs> but but this the, this magic pixie dust that Frank Anderson is sprinkling on these arms is is doing the trick. And what was pretty crazy is like Dolander and and Beam they they were really good this weekend, but they didn't even have their best stuff. Uh, Beam is is somebody that pounds the strike zone, and and that's what makes him so good. And he had three walks. He had a, a walk in in the first inning. And what you love most about Drew Beam is just how tough he is and, and how he battles through adversity. And he gives up a one out walk. I think it was the first inning. Then immediately gets a double play to get out of the inning. And the in the second inning, he gives up a, a two out walk and comes back with a strikeout to to end the inning. So uh, Beam ha- gave up more walks than he typically does. His, his control wasn't what it typically is. Uh, there were also some some balls that I I thought were squared up pretty good, uh, that that were right at Tennessee's defenders. That concerns me more than the other thing because I think that all, all, all I think Ben all three of those walks were on full count at bats with multiple foul balls. I mean those were really good at bats that that Dayton put together for those walks. I, I would think getting squared up would have been more of the concern to me. I, I, he was going to be hard on himself because of course he was, but. He, I, I thought his control wasn't that bad. I, I think he got squared up a little bit, which is which is different. But he also, after getting f- hit flush with a 100 plus exit velo smasher right off his leg, retired everybody else he saw from the rest of the day. He got better after he got hit, like an old quarterback that he is. I just, I thought he was really good. He was. I'm, I'm not saying that he wasn't. He he was really really good. Um, but his control still was not what it typically is. That that's just how good his control is. I mean, he that that's what won him SEC Freshman of the Year last year. Uh, it, it's just how dominant his, his control is. He he doesn't have quite the the swing and miss stuff that Dolander and and Burns do. But man, he he probably has the best command of of anybody on the roster, and that's what makes him so great. He or Kirby, and yeah. If if you're getting squared up, then you're leaving pitches out over the middle of the plate. To, to, to get squared up, which is a virtue of you not having your best control. But he was still really good despite not having his best stuff. And Dolander, I did not think, had his best stuff on Friday night and, and was was able to to really have a, a nice outing and uh, tied a career high with 12 strikeouts. And, and then Chase Burns, I, I did not get to watch uh, because basketball w- was practically at the same time because of the rain delay and uh, the game getting pushed back to, to 4.30. It, it put it right on – when I got to Thompson Bowling Arena, so didn't get to watch as much of game two as I would have liked, but uh, Burns had 12 strikeouts as well. So just a a dominant performance from the pitching staff. And uh, it's one of those situations where there are so many good arms on this team that, you know, five, 10, 15 years from now, we're going to look back on this team. And 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 it's kind of like, we look back on that 2016 Butch Jones football team and we think, man, they did not use Alvin Kamara enough. And and this guy wasn't used properly. That guy wasn't used properly. That's how we're going to look back on this pitching staff and think, man, that guy did not pitch enough that 2023 season. But obviously the reasons are, are going to be much different. Butch Jones is 
Butch Jones is Butch Jones when it comes to being a football coach, but and a human. There, there's just so, so, so many great arms on this team that guys that deserve innings and, and deserve an X amount of innings this season aren't going to get to those innings because of, of how many great pitchers there are. And, and you got to think, I mean, if if Bean, Burns, and Dolander live up to the hype, those guys are pitching into the sixth, seventh, eighth inning every single outing, which that that goes ahead and, and shrinks the, the the amount of work that the bullpen has to do. Say on any given weekend, Burns, Dolander, and Bean, they each pitch into the seventh inning. That That's six innings in a weekend that this bullpen that has like 10 arms, 10 arms, legitimate arms, to to cover six innings. I mean that that's that's uh, pretty pretty remarkable. So we're gonna look back on this pitching staff <laughs> in a couple of years and think, man, that guy did not pitch enough. And and it won't be because of coaching malpractice. It'll be just because they Tony Vitello being the recruiter, Josh Elander being the recruiter that they are, and then Frank Anderson being the the pitching developer that he is. They've just I mean, you can't find a better pitching staff in the country. I don't, I don't, I don't care. Yeah, it, you could. When you think about it, if your Friday, Saturday, Sunday rotation was Seth Halverson, Wyatt Evans, and Camden Sewell, you would think you had a chance to go to Omaha if those were your three weekend starters, right? And those guys are not weekend starters at Tennessee and two of them haven't even been able to pitch a season because they've been a little dinged up. But like that, I think that's the caliber and, and there, there could be somebody else who was in that four five, six that I'm, that I'm just not thinking of. And a couple of those guys are pure bullpen arms, but I mean, they've got two or three different, you know, on the depth chart guys that could be weekend starters at really, really, really good programs right now. That's the situation they're in. And it's an embarrassment of riches, but it's also something where you got to make sure, and this is where recruiting personalities matters as much as recruiting talent, because you have to recruit guys who are so competitive and competitive enough to demand a spot in that rotation or in that mix, in that bullpen, but who also might understand if they don't get called upon. That is like a really hard needle to kind of thread. That's a really, they, they have to be, so committed to the cause that they will accept much less than they probably deserve. And they're going to have to be okay with that and not be a problem behind the scenes. Um, because, and even if they're not trying to be a problem, even if they're just pouty or you can bring the whole room down. Right. I mean, that that's, that that's a tough situation. Um, but if they can just forget that for the next few months and just play the game and see what happens, and have a good attitude about it. Like, you know, you see with basketball with Uros Plavsic, who might play seven minutes in one game, and then they need him for 20, 25 in the next game, and he's ready to go, right? That sort of mentality where you might not get called on for a while, but when you are, you know, go out there and give it a go, right? That's that's how they're going to have to be mentally, I think. They will, and and I would be very surprised if if that were to be an issue, and for a couple of different reasons. A, the culture does not allow for that to happen. If if you are me, 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 then you're not going to make it in, in Tony Vitello's program. You're, you're just not. Uh, it, obviously, as baseball players, you kind of have a, a natural confidence and and you do want guys that, that want to get to the next level and 
uh, are concerned about themselves. I mean, part that that's kind of a, a natural aspect of baseball. Um, that there's not too much of a a team dynamic like there is in football. Like in football, you have to have all eleven guys or nine uh, or ten of them at least all really play it executing on the same play every single time in order for the play to work that necessarily isn't the case in in baseball like um, basketball or or, or football it it is kind of an individual sport but you're just not going to fit in with this culture and you will get run out of town if you are not bought in and and not doing what is asked for you and it's reached the point now to where the coaches don't even have to worry about it the 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 players they 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 lead the way for for one another the 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 veterans on this team that have been around they set the tone they set the standard and Tony Vitello doesn't have to do that anymore and and it's not just on the field it's not just Tony Vitello it's Frankie Anderson's pitching room so to speak his bullpen at practice it's with with Josh Elander in the cages it's with Tony all over the field and it's especially with Quentin Eberhardt the strength coach that that man Q does more for this program or I should say does as much for this program as as anybody because there there have been guys talented guys who have transferred in or high school signees that are very talented and and you would think that they get this special treatment and whatnot and they get in the weight room with Q and they they're in for a rude awakening and they adapt real quick or they get run off or they have to take a semester off like that that individual mentality just isn't going to fly so i would be surprised if if that does become an issue it's certainly something that they're going to have to manage because it it, it will be a a thing and and you want guys frustrated yes and yes yes you do you want them frustrated that they're not pitching as as much as they should be but I think the culture won't allow that to to overtake the team and, and and be a team issue to where it really leads to them struggling on the field. But also, I do think if like let, let's say like last year, Ben Joyce probably should have pitched more from a statistical standpoint than than his innings ended up being. And, and you know, this staff is deeper than last year's staff, in my opinion. But the, the thing that we're talking about with this staff and having so many arms, it, it, it did apply to last year's team as well. Uh, that Last year's team had a ton of arms. I think guys like Ben Joyce, they can also swallow the pill that they're probably not pitching as much as they should because they see how deep and talented the roster is. That that makes it easier to, to deal with. Like, it, it didn't hurt. It didn't hurt a stock either. No, a- absolutely not. Like you look at Bryce Jenkins or Jacob Bimby, two guys that aren't being talked about as as much right now, but should should probably have pitched more even in these two weeks than than their talent says, uh, or or their talent says they should be pitching X amount of innings, and they haven't necessarily pitched that X amount of innings. Like I think they can look around and see Seth Halverson and Andrew Lindsay and, and these other guys doing what they're doing. I think Aaron Combs fits that as well. Like they they see these other great pitchers doing what they're doing, and I think that makes it an easier pill to swallow that they're not pitching uh, as much. So, and also like looking ahead, like you just mentioned with Joyce, like looking ahead, like it's good that that you don't have to put a lot of wear and and tear on on your arm as you go ahead and and get ready 
for the next level. It, it is. It, it's it, it's maybe not the best thing for Tennessee because you want all these great pitchers being used to to as much as they can while they're here. But from an individual standpoint, looking to the professional ranks and getting into minor league baseball, it's a good thing that their arms aren't being run into the ground each and every year during uh, conference tournaments uh, and more in the NCAA tournament, like those opening regionals. And then you get into the super regionals and Omaha isn't as bad because there's days in between. But in those regionals and super regionals, I think back to what was the great Arkansas pitcher two weeks ago. I'm blanking on his name Cop? off the top. Of- you talking about cops like a couple years ago? Yes, Kevin Cops. Remember that that super regional that they lost where he pitched like seven innings or whatever it was in game one, and then a day later he, he's he's throwing seven innings again, yeah. and then he comes in in game three and and he's like trying to pitch in, into extra innings. Like Tennessee's not going to have to put an arm through that, and that's something that these pitchers won't appreciate now, but it will help them when they get to the professional ranks that they haven't been run into the ground while they were in college like a lot of these college coaches like to do at the most important time of the year. No, there's no question, and and I remember covering Tennessee at times during the uh, times during the Delmonico years, even when I was a kid and not covering them, was just around and and you, it happened a little bit. Like it does happen, right? You know, because because normally you don't have that many options to go to that are that capable. You, you know, and, and that's um, they're going to have to manage it. They are. I mean, there's no question about it. It, it it's that's why I said that that it's important to recruit guys who are good enough personality wise to feel like and and their stuff and just mentally strong enough to believe they belong on that mound more than anybody else even you know like a dolander like why is he i should be in that spot you want guys who think like that but also understand if the race is run and they come up second that it's about the team it's hard to find those guys um especially you know and maybe with the portal stuff these days guys can wait till after the year and then decide and it puts you know you don't worry about oh my trapped here for a few years so i have to sit out of here you don't have to worry about that as much, which is a good thing. But we'll see. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of a lot of guys on that team that that could be doing a lot of stuff, um, could be throwing a lot of innings, and and they just might not. And it's you know everybody's saying kumbaya now, and you hope that it's that way by the end of the season that everybody's still doing that um, because we'll 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 see. And then offensively, I think that that we'll see sort of how much they get better. We know throughout you know history that, that if his career that Zane Denton is a guy who goes really really hot for a while and then he cools off for a little bit and we know that um, those of us who are on the program know how capable someone like Kyle Booker is and how talented he is um, but you know he's got he's got to get going like they've got a lot of guys who could do more and Denton's been fine I'm not complaining I'm not saying I'm just saying you think about how consistent they they're going to want you to be they got a lot to prove offensively, but they have the ability to do it. They're just not going to be a video game offense. Where they are, a video game staff is pitching. That's where they're a video game team. I mean, it's and it scares you because in that ballpark, when you have that many guys who throw that hard, especially when it gets warmer, the ball's just going to fly out of there like crazy. And you're going to have to have an offense, no matter how good your pitching staff is, is going to have to win you some games. So we'll see if they can get to that level. But I, I, I don't think that they are bad i just think that people need to recalibrate their vision about what normal baseball looks like because last season that was not normal and that you can't expect that often the the last thing on the pitching staff uh to to your point earlier about uh ben joyce not pitching as as much as he probably should have because of how much talent was on the, the the staff even last year 
it did not hurt his stock. And these pitchers kind of need to uh, adopt the same mindset because if Tennessee can can get into a super regional and and more so get back to Omaha, like Dolander, Burns, and Beam, they're gonna have their time to to show what they got on the biggest stage against the best teams in the country, but also the the Jacob Bimbies and and the Alex Combs, or I should say Aaron Combs, uh, and the Bryce Jenkins. The Jake Fitzgibbons, like you're going to get your opportunity. If if the team can get to Omaha, you may only get one or two outings at most in Omaha. But if you get that opportunity and you make the most of it in front of all those scouts uh, against the the best teams uh, in in the country, like your draft stock will will skyrocket. It, it certainly will. And uh, I, I know I kind of talked about the the individual approach to baseball earlier. I mean that that is kind of like from a pitching standpoint. If you if you think in the sense of and not being selfish on a day to day basis and and being a bad teammate, but in terms of of going about your work, that you're working to get drafted, you're get you're working to to become a professional pitcher, you're working to one day be in the big leagues, and you go about your business like that on a day-to-day basis, on a week-to-week basis, even if you're not pitching in games as much as you probably should have, then because you're putting in the work, you will take advantage of your opportunities when you get on the mound in-game. If you succeed, which if you're doing the work, then you probably will succeed, you're going to get more opportunities. And because of how big of a profile this baseball program has and, and all these scouts coming to watch Dolander and Burns and, and Bean pitch – if you succeed and you get more opportunities, people will see you. People will notice you. So although I, I talked about the individual aspect of baseball earlier, like if, if you do kind of take that individual approach as a pitcher and just worry about yourself, everything else will take care of itself if, if you're not getting those innings. So I, I again, I, the culture, I don't think will allow for that to be. Yeah, an issue, but it's I, I, I didn't want I, I didn't want to seem alarmist at all. Like I, I hope that I didn't give that tone because that's not how I feel. It's just something that they're going to have to stay on top of, and I'm sure they know yeah. that better than anyone, but they, they just got to stay on top of it because it's it, as the season gets on, it can be harder to sing Kumbaya together. Yes. No, I, I completely agree. I mean, it is absolutely something that Vitello and Elander and Frank Anderson, uh, Redmond Walsh is helping out. Uh, they're they're, they're going to have to to deal with. Uh, Richard Jackson is around the program. Like They're all going to have to deal with that on a day-to-day basis. I mean, it's kind of like Rick Barnes. Uh, and, and you see him in practice go after Jonas because Jonas is is Jonas Adu is having a, a so and so day at practice. Well, okay, here comes Justin Ganey to to pick him up after practice and, and have a conversation. So it's going to be everybody chipping in to to pick pick one another up. Uh, so I, I certainly agree with what you're saying. I'm more so speaking to why I don't think that that will be an issue just because the culture is so great, and I, I think these guys recognize that. If, if I take advantage of my opportunities, it'll help me in the long run, even if I want to be pitching more than I am right now. Uh, so th- this pitching staff is going to be really fun uh, to, to watch. And, and I do agree with you uh, on the the whole because this, this team has great stuff uh, and Dolander and Burns in particular and Halverson and, and Lindsey uh, as well, like they, they have overpowering stuff and bats are going to be hunting the fastball especially in the summer months when it gets hotter in that ballpark like they're they're just naturally it's not really anything that they're doing wrong 
They're just naturally, because of the circumstances that they are pitching in, they're going to give up some big hits and some home runs. Uh, and and maybe not huge innings, but a two or three run inning here or there. Yeah, if you avoid the walks, you won't run into too many crooked numbers, but you know. Correct. That that's why when Chad Dallas was was pitching and, and he would give up a, a solo home run a game. Tony said that he didn't care. Chad said that he didn't care because they knew that that was just kind of part of the the situation and circumstances that they were pitching within. It was when he would walk a guy or give up a hit before the home run that would would cause issues. So it, that's something to monitor and, and keep in the back of your mind as as the season does warm up and and more so when you're hosting a regional and super regional, because if you lose those games, then then your season is yes. over. If, if you lose a May game to Florida or whoever comes in May, like it's not going to be the end of the world because it's it's one game in the regular season. But although that is something that is very accurate, very true, something that they're going to have to work through every year, it is also nice though for an offense that will probably be behind the pitching staff all year long. Like it, it's nice that more often than not they're not going to have as much pressure to score runs each and every night because the pitching staff is keeping them in games. Like, like you can probably expect on most nights that Tennessee's pitching staff is at, at, as a whole is going to give up two, three, four runs in, in like as, as an offense. I mean, that, that is wonderful to know that, that that's what you have to work with. Like you don't have to go out like Mississippi state's offense, Mississippi state's pitching staff, is absolutely terrible. Mississippi State's offense has so much pressure on itself night in and night out west because the pitching staff for Mississippi State is absolutely terrible. It was really, really bad last season, and it's why they did not go to Hoover after winning the national championship last season uh, because their pitching staff was was so terrible. And early on through two weeks, I mean, it, lo- it looks like they're going to be just as bad on the mound this season as they were last season. And, and it's unfortunate for them because they do have a, a capable offense that, that can put up runs. I mean, on Sunday, after being blown out by Arizona State in the in the previous two games, I think one game was close, but there was one game in, there in, in which they got run pretty good. But then they blow out Arizona State on Sunday 16-3. to But my, my point that I'm getting to is Tennessee's offense doesn't have the same pressure – on itself that Mississippi State's offense has on itself because Mississippi State goes into every game knowing that they probably have to score eight, nine, ten runs. And that is a lot. Even in in college baseball, that is a lot. And and even sometimes, I mean, we've already seen from Mississippi State, ten runs isn't enough. They've got to go score 15 runs. (laughs) That's a lot of runs. Uh, And if you go into a game knowing that you might have to do that. That's a little bit different, right? I mean, it's like you you want to try to eat the elephant one bite at a time, and that's that's one thing. But if you're looking at the whole freaking thing, you know, you're, that's going to be difficult, right? Like you you don't want to go into a game thinking you got to score 15 runs. If a game turns out uh, where you might have to do that, that's one thing. But if you go into it knowing you might have to do that to win, that puts a lot of pressure on you. That's like if if you're a Josh Heupel offense. And you you might have to score fifty to win. That's one thing. But if you if you know going into it, we might have to score fifty. Well, then you don't score, you know, twenty or you know, fifteen, you know, twenty points in the first quarter. You're already starting to worry that you're off the pace and you're not playing your game, and it changes everything. So yeah, the pressure burst pipes, right? Like over time, it becomes a problem. Right, and and just to to wrap up this conversation, 
Tennessee is going to be led by the pitching staff. There, there's no doubt about it. I, I think even if you had last year's offense, the the pitching staff is is probably better than, than last year's offense. I mean, it's nothing against this offense. It, it certainly has strides to make. It needs to get much better if it wants to achieve the goals that it wants to achieve. But th- this is all about just how special this pitching staff has the chance to be. And I would be absolutely stunned if if they don't live up to the hype. That they have too many good arms uh, to to not live up to the hype. But they, again, no doubt that Tennessee's offense needs to improve. I think that it will uh, already since those first two games to start the season against Arizona and Grand Canyon. You've gotten Griffin Merritt back, and, and you've seen the value that that he adds. He he has kind of gotten off to a slow start, but I anticipate him being perfectly fine. Uh, he's already viewed even as a, a one-year transfer as somebody who is as much a leader as anybody in the locker room. Everybody kind of follows he, his lead. That's that's the type of kid, uh, type of young man, I should say, that he is. Uh, and the, this lineup is very lefty heavy, so he brings a, a very important right-handed bat that that is going to hit a ton of home runs. Uh, I'd, I'd be surprised if, if he doesn't. He, he's always hit for power and I, I think there will be somewhat of an adjustment period for him in, in terms of facing SEC pitching, but I, I don't think that it'll be too much because he's been facing the best pitching staff in the country since he stepped foot on campus back in August. Um, but since those two games start the year, you've added Griffin Merritt, uh, and and now you're going to get Maui Ahuna back in into the lineup uh, at, as well. So you've gotten Merritt's right-handed bat in the lineup. And now you're, you're going to get Maui Ahuna who is a lefty like the rest of everybody else in the lineup. It, it seems, Um, but, but he's somebody that that is a little bit swing and miss at times, but he's, he's still going to hit for, for a good average. Uh, And, and he's got a lot of athleticism that will be used on the bases. Uh, He's fast. and, And I don't think Tennessee's a slow offense, but I definitely don't think it's an offense that's that's going to steal a, a ton of bases. Uh, he'll help with that. Uh, so you're, you're going to have those two in the lineup that you didn't have in those first two games. And there needs to be a grace period. That That's the ultimate point that I'm getting to is there's a lot of new guys in new situations. There There isn't a single guy in this lineup as a projected starter that, that we anticipate being a starter for the long haul that is in the role that they are this year, at least to start. Uh, Griffin Merritt, new team. Centerfield's still kind of up in the air, but yeah. uh, Kyle Booker look, looking to become an, an everyday starter for the first time in, in his career. Uh, Jared Dickey, uh, he's in a new role in terms of being one of the key guys in the lineup, right in the heart of the lineup, and that's an adjustment. Uh, and then – in the other corner outfield spot, if it, if it's Dylan Dryling, he's a freshman. He hasn't played college baseball before. Uh, Kaveris Tears, he, he's a redshirt freshman. He he hasn't – I mean, this is his first legitimate action of, of college baseball. Uh, Zane Denton at third base, he's at a new school. Maui Ahuna's at a new school. When Austin Jazzlove was in there, he had never played before. Uh, it, it, real, real innings b- before this year. Second base, Christian Moore. 
He's facing, I mean, he's an a everyday starter for the first time. Blake Burke's an everyday starter for the first time. On top of those guys being everyday starters, they're in the heart of the lineup now after they could kind of hide behind Trey Lipscomb and those guys last year and, and pick apart uh, opposing pitchers. Uh, I forgot Hunter Inslee in the outfield. If, if he's the guy that earns a role, he has barely played to this point in his career. And then behind the dish, Cal Stark's been in junior college. He's at a new school. Charlie Taylor, we know his story. He he's never been an everyday guy either. But so have, but he may or may not be the best baseball player who's ever lived. Very very possible. Very 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 possible that he's the greatest baseball player of all time. But hard to be the greatest baseball player of all time when Aaron Judge exists and 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 walks uh, this earth. But as you can see, the point that I'm getting to is literally not a single bat on this roster is is in a familiar role so there's going to be a grace period even into sec play that needs to be had there's going to be adjustments and the offense is going to be much better at the end of the season than it was at the beginning of the season and that's okay especially when you have the best pitching staff in the country yeah it is and i i wonder if they're still you know, because when you add Ahuna to this, you're adding just another great player, obviously, but another left-handed bat. So they're, it's almost like, you know, there's so many teams that you're like, God, you'd like to have a lefty. They have a lot of them. Like all, a lot of the guys that you mentioned too, even Tears, a lot of these guys, there, there's a lot of lefties on this team. So um, it's good that Blake Burke is hitting lefties the way he is right now because um, the way that thing is set up, like a good lefty pitcher, it's not like there's a lot of great lefty pitchers out there, but some lefty pitchers could give that problem – to give that offense some problems. So there, 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 there's some little things that they're going to have to work through. But, yeah, a grace period needs to exist. It needs to be there. I mean, even though I think, what, they have 18 games left this season that are just against, like, the top 15 teams currently in the poll, and Mississippi State isn't one of those teams. And, and we all know how dangerous that lineup is, and it's going to be in that – in, you know, in that ballpark. That's a, that's a toughie. So, yeah, I mean, there, there, there's a lot – out there for this team that it's not just gonna like it's not gonna go 25 and 5 in the sec let's just go ahead and throw that out there it's just not gonna happen so i think it's interesting because you've got a lot of guys you got a great pitching staff one that i don't think you would trade for any in the country you got an offense that could be really good you know if some of these guys start hitting like they we know they can and it's only been eight games or whatever this season you know there's there's so much potential so 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 much potential uh, in this group, and and I think it's um, you might need to recalibrate your offensive expectations a little bit compared to what your eyes have seen recently uh, the past year or so. But there's a lot of weapons on this team. There is uh, even even at the plate, all all of those hitters that I, I just mentioned are are very talented uh, and and very capable of having big gears. Christian Moore, Jared Dickey, Blake Burke—they're three of the best hitters in the in in the country not just the sec but in, in the country regardless of position griffin Merritt won the aac player of the year last year at cincinnati because of what he did at the plate zane denton has hit his fair share of homers in his career uh, and, and he's a very valuable switch hitter in in tennessee's lineup and there's a lot of guys with a lot of potential that as they get more and more at bats they're going to be bigger factors towards postseason play. I, I look at Dylan Dryling and Kavar's Tears, uh, maybe even a, a Ryan Miller. Uh, th- those are guys that I, I expect to 
really step up and and be factors by the time the end of the season rolls around. I, I think they're going to kind of be that ninth, tenth, eleventh guy uh, w- within the offense. So I, I don't know that we'll see them every day, but I expect them to to be contributing pieces. Cal Stark, he he can really really swing it. Now I, I'm very curious to see how he does against SEC pitchers. But again, like I said with Merritt, Merritt hit against these Tennessee pitchers all fall long that that are the best of the best that the SEC has to offer. And Cal Stark is in that same vein. Like he, Cal Stark hit really well in the fall against these pitchers that we just got done raving about. So although those questions are, are fair to ask, there's there's already a little bit of evidence of them being able to swing the bat uh, uh, against legitimate arms just, and just got to do it with the lights on just got to do it with the lights on but that's yeah how would you it's fair to say that drew beans one of the best pitchers in the country correct oh there's no question i'm just talking about doing it in front of no no, no. I'm, I'm i'm about i'm about to make a point you you would say that drew beans one of the best in the country correct i would okay and, and i don't feel like i'm speaking out of turn when i say this but i believe in his last outing but before the season started obviously he, he's been tennessee's best pitcher to through Two weeks. Uh, he, he's statistically speaking, he he's been better than than Burns and and Dolander so far. And, and granted, a little different competition with UC San Diego and Grand Canyon and Arizona. I think that's fair to point out. But Drew Beam ha- and Zach Joyce have been the two most impressive for me to start the season. Beam, one of the best pitchers in the country. The outing. I believe it was the outing before the season started, maybe second to last outing before the season started in January scrimmages. He got absolutely lit up in his in his one of his last outings building up until the season. This Tennessee offense that that people are concerned about lit Drew Beam up. And that that's not I don't say that to to bring Drew Beam down. I, again, I think he's been one of the most impressive pitchers, if not the most impressive on the roster. But speaking to the potential and how much talent that this offense has, like they they've tagged up on on their own guys. I, I've I've seen it. I've heard about it. This offense will be fine. It's not going to be what it was last year. It's not going to be the, the best in the country, but it's going to be more than serviceable and it's going to get the job done more often than not. Oh, I think that's absolutely fair to say. My only point was that doing that with the lights on in a, in a real game when the other team's the pitcher's wearing a different color and it, 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 it it's, it, there are some guys who are great there and some guys who, who, who aren't as great in those kinds of situations. Now coaches will tell you that you do it in practice, you do it in the game. And I, for the most part, totally agree with that. I don't think for the most part, totally agree is a sensical way to put it. Cause that's sort of, that doesn't go together, but mostly I agree with that. I, I just, I think when the lights come on, you know, Lindsey Nelson, everybody's right there on top of you. And it sounds like it's much bigger than it is in terms of the number of people who are there by the noise that they make and how much they're right on top of you. And then some of the places in the SEC get really loud and hostile when you're on the road. You know, you just got to you just got to do it with the lights on. And if you can do that, and I think these guys will, I think they'll be fine. I mean, they're not going to hit like 150 homers or anything, but like, I think it's, I think I think they're I think they're just fine. I just worry about them being honestly left hand dominant. They they need to. That, that could be a problem at times because, you know, you talk about one or two games at the wrong time of the year will end your season. Like, you know, that 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 could be an issue. They're going to have to – and they've been okay. Like, Burke's mashing lefties, but 
you know, Dickey's had a lot of swings and misses this year. There, there's a couple little things that just need to get ironed out, but I, I think they'll probably be fine. Right, and, and I don't, I don't mean to hammer home the the point that I think that they're going to be fine. I I know that I kind of went heavy on that uh, in the podcast last week, and and also have have mentioned it a, a couple of times uh, on on this podcast. But that that's just kind of been what I've observed early on. I, I mentioned it on the last pod that I, I was encouraged by what I've seen early from Dryling and Miller and, and Tears. Uh, and, and I think that that is going to, to really help the potential of this offense. And th- those guys are only going to continue to, to get better along the way. So uh, it'll be another ho-hum week. I, I think that's fair to say uh, no, no strenuous competition. But it is still baseball, and anybody is capable of being beat in the sport of baseball on on any given day. And uh, Tennessee hosts Charleston Southern on Tuesday and Wednesday. Tuesday will be at four thirty, and then Wednesday will be at four o'clock. Maui Ahuna making his debut. Very interested to see what what he looks like. I, I know he'll look good against that level of competition, but more interested to see where he's slotted in in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could see him hitting leadoff. I could see him in the two hole. I could see him in the five hole. He'll, he'll definitely be in that top five. It, it's just a matter of, of where I don't think Moore or, or Burke or even really Denton are moving out of that kind of two, three, four role. But I, I will, I would like to see Jared Dickey hitting with somebody in front of him, just because I, I think he's somebody that you want at the plate with, with runners on base uh, and not necessarily the bottom of the lineup uh, in, in front of him. So I, I don't know, but Maui's another and, guy. That and you don't, like and, and they don't like stacking lefties either. No, they, they don't. But with this roster, they may not have much of a choice, but that that's something that that'll be interesting to see. And, and then uh, a somewhat interesting weekend against Gonzaga, a team that was talented last season, but, but they're off to a one and six start, I believe this year. Uh, had several top pitchers on that team last year that yeah. led to them making the NCAA tournament. And I believe that they hosted a regional, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I could be misremembering. I I know that they were one of the – if they didn't host a regional, they, they were like right on the cusp of yeah, hosting. Yeah, did they go to well, Oregon? Did the they go to Oregon? I'm trying to remember. Maybe so. They, they were like a top 20 baseball team, 16 teams host, and they were kind of that 17th, 18th. Uh, team because of of how much talent they they have on the mound had on the mound and I, I think they did return a, a preseason All American uh, their their ace their their Friday night starter but uh, they early on they don't appear to be the same team that they were last year so uh, it, it'll still be an interesting weekend uh, just because I, I'm sure they still do have some some nice pieces off of what was a good team uh, last year and uh, again it, it's baseball any team is capable of of losing on any given day uh, at the professional ranks, at, at the college ranks, JUCO, high school, and you, you get the idea. So uh, it, it'll be up to Tennessee to handle business because they're, they're not going to play anybody until March 24th, in my opinion, when they play Texas A&M in terms of when you look at the game on paper and and think, okay, th- this this is interesting. that They don't play any teams that, that are better than them really at any point this season, but more so in, in terms of, of games they should not, without a doubt, win. You, you kind of look at the 24th, maybe the weekend before going to Missouri because that's on the road. The weather's going to suck. Missouri's been more impressive than – they've been They've been my 
second most impressive team uh, to to start SEC play or to start the season, I should say. Uh, Florida has been just out of this world impressive yeah. Yeah. Uh, to start the year, and and then Missouri would probably be my number two. Vanderbilt as well, uh, beating UCLA in Nashville this this past weekend, but may, maybe Missouri uh, because you got to go there. The weather's going to suck, and and they do appear to have a, a better ball club this year than they have in years past. But still, that's a game on paper that that Tennessee should. That, that series is a series that on paper Tennessee should definitely win. So the, these next couple of weeks, it, it's all about Tennessee. That, that's what I'm getting to. It, it's all about Tennessee showing up with the right mindset, ready to play. And West, they've got five games this week. If if they do that, they'll have another successful week just like they did last week. Yeah, they will. And we'll see how they do with it because now they, you get a little bit of a uh, of a, I don't want to say, you know, restart or reset, but, you know, you had a couple of tough days to start the season. Then, you know, they've played better since then. They get a chance to kind of get things back in order before they get back into the real, real, real stuff. So, yeah, I'm interested to see how they look. Interested to see what they do with the lineup uh, with, with Ahuna uh, in there now. Interested to see how the bullpen shakes out. There, there's a lot of really, really interesting things. Center field, there's a lot of things to, to watch with this team over the next few weeks at least, um, but, but at least for the next couple of weeks for sure. And we'll have full coverage of it at GoVols247.com. Wes and I will both be at Charleston Southern, not literally at Charleston Southern, but at the Charleston Southern game on Tuesday and Wednesday at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Uh, and then I will be heading down to Auburn on Saturday, and, and Wes and I are going to split up for the day, and Wes is going to stay back in Knoxville and, and cover the, the baseball game at, at 630 uh, but we'll both be there Friday and Sunday. And then again, I'll be at Auburn on Saturday, but Wes will have full coverage uh, on on Saturday as well. So we'll have all the coverage you need of, of Tennessee baseball as we have uh, up until this point and we'll continue to have at GoVols247.com. Wes, appreciate you, my friend. Anytime, Ben. You know that, man. He's Wes Rucker. I'm Ben McKee. This has been another edition of the Diamond Vols podcast, and we hope you all have a great rest of your week. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247 where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock. Got the checkerboard and the summit where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more 
uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, you also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys. It only takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.